And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Uh, welcome. I'm so glad you're all here uh, today. Um, I'm excited uh, about starting a new sermon series today. We're uh, starting a sermon series called My Hometown. Everybody say, My Hometown. So I'm excited about this. We've been uh, planning this for a while, and uh, I've been thinking about it. And you can see in the graphic there, you got the nice houses and cars and the white picket fences. And uh, it's not super realistic of how um, all hometowns really are, is it? And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit uh, this month about our hometown. And that word defined, let me tell you what a hometown is. You guys ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. Just kidding. It's the town of one's birth, or early life, or of one's present fixed residence. So your hometown is where you grew up, or your hometown is where you currently have a fixed address. You guys are like, wow. So that's what it means, hometown. So my hometown is where I live right now. So your hometown is where you live right now. So I want you to think about the name of the town where you currently live. And on the count of three, we're going to say the name of the town where we currently live. I told you to think about it, but hopefully you don't have to think about it that hard. On the count of three, one, two, three, Fort Dodge. Okay, now I heard an overwhelming amount say Fort Dodge, right? Um, but there are others. We, I don't know if you know this or not. Again, mind-blowing thing. But New Covenant Christian Church is in Fort Dodge. I mean, you guys are in Fort Dodge right now. And if you've been in Fort Dodge for any amount of time, you actually probably say it like this, Fort Dodge. It's one word. Real Fort Dodgeians know that Fort Dodge is one word, Fort Dodge, right? Okay, I'm just kidding. So, um, Fort Dodge. This is where we are. This is where we live. That's where my uh, resident, my fixed residence is. And, uh, you know, Fort Dodge, a lot of times people have their opinions about Fort Dodge. I remember uh, someone that had left and gone on to college, and I stayed here and did college here and did it online. And I was working here at the church, and I saw them one Sunday. They came back to church and were visiting, and I was just talking with them, and they were telling me about, you know, how they'd been to, like, Germany and how they'd been to this place and how they'd, you know, been studying abroad and all this stuff. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, and things have been good here too, you know. I've been living in Fort Dodge and working and doing this and doing that, and he just kind of looked at me, and he was like, living the dream, huh? And it was kind of this, like, oh, wow, you've done so much, like, ooh, Fort Dodge, look at you, you're ooh, living the dream. And almost like this mockery that you can't possibly be living the dream and living in Fort Dodge at the same time. And uh, over the years, you've probably heard it, um, Fort Dodge gets called uh, Fort Dirty or Dirty Dodge. You guys ever heard those things? And if you've heard them, here's what you need to do next time you hear it. You say, hey, stop talking about my hometown. Now, I know some of you are from somewhere else. Maybe you're not from Fort Dodge. Maybe you're from Humboldt or Manson or uh, you're from uh, Webster City or I don't know, just somewhere between here and there. I know we've got some people in Peyton or down by Jefferson or anywhere in between, Right? So I don't know what people say about your hometown, but if they start saying bad things about it, I think we should correct them. So our church, our new covenant is in Fort Dodge, but our church is, like I said, from Humboldt, Webster City, Dayton, Pocahontas, Jefferson, Manson, everywhere in between. And here's the thing, you and I, we should be praying for our hometowns. Well, you and I should be praying for our hometowns. 
You and I should be praying for the towns where our fixed residence is at, where we live, where we work, where we play. We should be praying for our hometowns. I don't know if you've listened to the news at all. I don't know. I mean, it'd be pretty hard for you not to have heard about some of the events that have been going on in Fort Dodge over the last few weeks. I mean, really, it would be pretty hard for you not to have heard. A few weeks ago, you probably know, and maybe you don't, but there was a a young man, a senior in high school, who was accidentally shot by his four-year-old brother. Shot and killed. A couple weeks ago. Just this last week, at the middle school, a 14-year-old tried to hire a school shooter on Indeed.com. Tried to hire a school shooter Posted a job posting for a school shooter just this last week. And that same week, four of our schools were on lockdown because of some kind of disturbance and nobody really knew what happened. Were shots fired? Were they fireworks? What happened? What's going on? And so they locked down all these schools. On Wednesday at 5.30 in the afternoon, two blocks from my house, a pastor was beaten to death and robbed. That's my hometown, Fort Dodge. That's what's happened here in the last couple of weeks. Pastor Al Henderson, who passed away on Wednesday, I was at the vigil Thursday night. There were hundreds of people. We were standing in front of St. Paul, and that area right there, it's a little tiny parking lot, but that thing was just packed full of people. People who knew him well, people who didn't know him hardly at all, but it was full of people who were saddened and sickened by the tragedy and came to support a church, came to support a community. Pastor Doug went to the funeral yesterday. He said there was over 800 people at that funeral. They were packed. They packed out the sanctuary and the balcony. They opened up two big rooms. They did an overflow. They recorded it. They put it on YouTube. If you want to watch the service, it's about an hour and a half long. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. The Iowa District West Council for the Lutheran Church put it on there. And so you can see all of these things. But this is what's been going on in our town, in Fort Dodge. Maybe you come from somewhere else, and maybe Fort Dodge isn't your hometown. But I'm sure there's things going on in your community that are troubling. And you know, I think an easy thing for us to do is we can get sucked up into fear and worry. I told you it was two blocks from my house. I mean, we walked there to go to the Darriette. We walk over there and play at the playground. I live a couple blocks from there. And I'm not full of fear. I'm not full of worry. I know the area where we are. And I know it doesn't matter where you go that bad choices can happen anywhere. And here's, here's another thing also, that there are sinful people who make bad choices everywhere. They don't just live in one part of town. I mean, did you know that? I mean, there's sinful people that live everywhere, right? There's people who make bad choices, and they live everywhere. They're not segregated to one part of a town. So our town, Fort Dodge, has a reputation And here's the thing, that reputation changes as we speak life over this city. Reputations change as you speak life, as you pray for your city. There are power, and there's power in the words we say. There's power in the words that we say. There's power in the words that we say. Words are powerful. And we can use our words to complain, or we can use our words to pray. To complain about what things are or pray for what we know God wants them to be. 
I mean, those are our options, aren't they? I want to tell you something. This is a good city full of good people who love Jesus. Fort Dodge is a good city full of good people who love Jesus. Wherever you live, Pocahontas, Badger, Peyton, wherever you live, your city is a good city full of good people who love Jesus. It just takes one little candle in darkness to illuminate what's going on. And we have a lot more than one little candle. There were 800 at the funeral. There was a five or 600 at the vigil. And we all got our phones out. We didn't have candles. This is the new way of doing candles. You get your phones out. And it was a bright light on a dark night. You and I are good people. Our cities are full of good people who love Jesus. Are we perfect? No, we're not. But it's time that we stop talking bad about the places where we live, and it's time for us to be a voice that speaks life into the places where we work, live, and play. Do you believe me this morning? It's time for us to be a voice and speak life over our cities. I want to tell you something. The door is wide open right now for great work to be done in our cities. There is a door that is wide open right now for great work to be done in this city and in the communities you're a part of. Look at 1 Corinthians 16. I like this. Paul says this. He says, There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. So Paul writes this, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's actually in the city of Ephesus. And he's saying, listen, I'm writing to you and I'm praying for you and I care about you, but there is a great work. There is a door that is wide open. There is a great work that needs to be done in this city. That's what Paul's saying. He said, so I'm going to stay here no matter the opposition. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to pray for this city. I'm going to do the great work for this city because there's great opportunity. There's great opportunity. You have neighbors right now who are asking, why does God allow these things to happen? You have neighbors right now who have questions upon questions upon questions. And I know we don't have all the answers, but there is a great window, a great opportunity presented before us right now to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ to those around us. In times of chaos and confusion, people are looking for stable. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. He's the foundation of our life. He is the rock that we build our lives against so that when storms pound and beat and try to knock us down, we continue to stand strong. We're not strong in and of ourselves. We worry, we have fear. I come from a long line of worriers. My daughter has inherited it and I feel bad for her, but I tell her, listen, kid, we can't worry. We can't be fearful. We must continue moving forward and trusting that Jesus loves us and cares for us. Amen? I want to say to us today that there is a wide open door for great works to be done in your community, in this community. 
there's pastors uniting and showing support and getting together to pray for our communities. I don't know if you know much about us pastors, but we don't always get together very often. You say, well, why is that? Why, why don't pastors unite? Why don't they get together very often? I think sometimes what happens is we all bring our own agendas, we all bring our own egos, we all bring our own thoughts to the table and say, let's do this, and someone else says, no, let's do this, and then someone else says, well, why don't we try that? And before you know it, we're all just like, how about we just do our own thing and not meet anymore? We got together this last week, a group of 10 pastors. And the invitation was out to 30, but it was so spur of the moment. But we got together to talk and to chat and to pray for one another and said, hey, can't we just get together once a month and just, can't we just pray? Like, can't we just encourage one another and pray for our city? Like, isn't that okay? I mean, we all love Jesus, and we all love the people of Fort Dodge and our surrounding communities. Can't we get together and just pray and unite over something? And that happened this last week. And it's going to continue to happen. Good things can come from this. There's a wide open door, an opportunity to minister to people. There will be opposition, but God has great things in store. Come on, you got to believe me. God has great things in store. Even if everything, you live in a small community and everything's going perfectly, you can still pray. You can still pray. Even if you're like, hey, I got this, the city. I, it's like the best city in the world. Like, it's right. Great, you can still pray for it. You can still pray and greater things can happen in that community than what's already happening. Because I guarantee not everybody in your community is saved. Not everybody in your community knows the saving love of Jesus Christ. And so there's work to be done. There's greater things to be done. Look at John. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I like that. Anyone who believes in Jesus will do the same works he did and even greater works. I mean, you guys know what Jesus did? Like, why is this not exciting us? I mean, you know what Jesus did, right? I mean, he performed miracles and he gave sight to the blind. And, and <clears throat> I mean, forget the fact that he, you know, you know, raised people from the dead. He cleansed a woman just because she touched the hem of his garment, cleansed her of an illness that she had had for so long, exhausted all of her resources with at the end of a rope and said, I need you because I got nothing else. And he heals her. And then this scripture says that anyone who believes in Jesus, we got any people in here that believe in Jesus this morning? Anyone who believes in Jesus will do the works that I do. What? And then he says, and even greater things because I go to the Father. Even greater things. That's spoken by a man who raised people from the dead, whose hearts were changed. And he would talk to people and say, hey, follow me. And they'd be like, all right, I'll drop everything I'm doing. And we said, I don't know. I don't think our neighbors would ever want to hear about Jesus. I don't think they'd ever come to church. Greater things. I don't know if he could ever turn a city around. I don't know. There's just too much evil. And there's, listen, greater things. Anyone who believes. Well, I'm nobody special. I know. You're an anyone just like me. We're, we're nothing special. But we have somebody very special living inside of us, don't we? And when we believe in him, the Bible says, we believe in the Bible. The Bible says that we will do greater things. That we'll do the same things that Jesus did. That should excite us. That should get us on our knees praying and say, God, there are people that need healing. There are people that need you. There are people who are 
asking all these hard questions and I don't know what to say, but I know you'll give me the words to say them. We should be praying for our cities, for the people we live by, for our schools, for our government officials, for our households. We should be praying that the reputation of our cities change for God's glory. We have the Holy Spirit living in us and with God all things are possible, amen? 1 John 4, 4 says this, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Jesus is greater than anything in this world. There's a lot of fear There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of worry going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unsettledness. But the perfect love of God casts out all fear. Greater is he who is in us than who is in the world. There is nothing in this world that can overcome the church of God. And you and I, we are the church. We're the body of Christ. And there is nothing that this world throws at us that we cannot overcome. Listen, even in death, that has no victory over us. Because we know where we're going. And we know that a reunion will take place when we are united with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the rest of eternity. So death doesn't even have the last word. Oh, death, where is your sting? It doesn't get the last word because we get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want us to spend some time this week. We're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about this stuff. That was my introduction, by the way. 18 minutes long. I want us to spend some time this week praying for our hometowns, but specifically, and I'll cover this fairly quickly, specifically, I want us to pray this week for our schools, for our teachers, and for our students. Maybe you work in the school system. Maybe you have kids, grandkids, in nieces, nephews, whatever, in a school system. Or maybe you just live in a community that has a school, and that is your only connection to a school. Let's commit this week to praying for our schools and our teachers and our students. You know, I told you that a week and a half, a couple weeks ago, there was a kid that posted a job online for a school shooter. My daughter at the middle school calls us. We had no idea. My wife and I aren't on social media a lot. Apparently we should have heard about it and didn't didn't prepare for it. So all these kids were talking about how there's going to be a shooting that day. And she was freaked out. Her stomach hurt. She went to the nurse. She calls my wife. She's just blubbering. And it's like, sweetie, nothing's going to happen. They caught him. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. You remember, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. The love of God casts out all of our fear like you're going to be fine. Right? Send her back to school. She was good the rest of the day. But that fear is real, isn't it? I mean, it hits you and you hear those things and you're like, man. And then as parents, you're like, man, my little 10-year-old has to live in a world where that is something that happens, not just once a week, but sometimes twice a week. 
And I know then we get worried and we say, what kind of world are we living in? And I can't believe this and somebody's got to do something. Well, I tell you what, we're the somebody. Is that we continue to speak life. We don't let fear get the best of us. But we continue doing what God has called us to do, living our lives. Second Timothy said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, sometimes it makes all the sense in the world to be afraid. Sometimes it makes all the sense in the world to be afraid. There are things out there to be afraid of. I understand that. There are times when it makes sense to be afraid. But I say this, God has given us a peaceful and sound mind in the midst of our fear. God hasn't given us that spirit of fear. There are things that might cause you to be fearful, but here's what God has given you. Power, love, and a sound mind. A peaceful mind. A mind at rest. That's what he's given us in the midst of fear and storms and turmoil. Pray that the kids who enter our schools will be full of power and love and sound minds. That the teachers and administration will be full of power and love and a sound mind. That they wouldn't teach out of fear. That there wouldn't be policies made out of fear. Pray. Pray for our schools. Pray for our students. Pray for our teachers and administrators and superintendents. Pray. Because there are plenty of them who know Jesus. There are plenty of them who know the power of God and can have a sound mind in the midst of turmoil. Pray. Will you do that? Will you pray for the students and teachers? Will you pray for our schools? Pray that the the administrators and the policies and things that are made, that they will be done out of power and love and a sound mind and not done out of fear. Will you do me a favor and pray for that young boy who was charged with a Class D felony and shipped away to detention center? Who was labeled a terrorist? It's an act of terrorism at 14 years old. Will you pray for him? Because I got to tell you, that's sad. Will you pray for his parents? Will you pray for his family? Will you pray for other households and families that, whose kids are thinking that same way. Guys, this is real stuff. And we need to pray about it. This is our hometown. This is where we live. It's where you go to church at the very least. Pray. Pray for him. Pray for his family. Pray for the children in our communities. And pray for their families. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with everyone. What's the scripture saying? It's a plea to take care of the distressed, the discouraged, and those who are struggling. This scripture is a plea to take care of the distressed and those who are struggling, those who are discouraged. That you and I as the body of Christ are to take care of them. You know, there's people in the drop-off line at our schools that are probably one, missing, one missed payment away from losing their house. There's people in those drop-off lines that probably go home and have to wonder how they're going to feed their kids tonight. 
There's people in those drop-off lines. There's kids in our schools. There's neighbors in our communities that are struggling, that are discouraged and disheartened. that need to rob people in order to make their ends meet. When we see a need, will we help? When we see a need, will we help? When someone tells us of something they're going through, something they're struggling with, will we be the church? Will we help? Are we praying? Not only for our kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids or whoever, But are we praying for those kids in those schools that the love of Jesus Christ will reach them? That the love of Jesus Christ will reach the teachers? That those who need something, who are lazy or timid or weak, that we could be patient with them and that we could help them in any way possible? We did that oil change yesterday and I stopped in. I say we, (laughs) I helped sponsor it, but I did not do any oil changing. I took some pictures and I talked with some of the people in the hospitality and there was someone there with their young child and they said, thank you so much for providing this oil change. We were needing it and it wasn't high on my priority list. It probably wouldn't have been done for a while. We have other bills to pay, other things going on. So thank you for providing an oil change. That's awesome. You say, it's just an oil change. It's like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Like it's just an oil change. No, but it meant something to them that we would take care of a very practical need. And if you're thinking, well, 20 or 30 bucks isn't that much, then help somebody around you. Take them some groceries, buy them a meal, invite them over, I don't know, put some gas in their tank. Do something. We can all do something, amen? We need to pray for the violence to stop in our community. I got no amens on that one. I know this isn't a get up and shout message today. Pray for the violence to stop in our communities. Psalm 54 says this, Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea. For strangers are attacking me. Violent people are trying to kill me. They care nothing for God. I want to tell you something. There are people in our towns who care nothing for God like care nothing for God, like have no concept, have no idea, don't want it. They just have no care for God. First John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. Everybody say God is love. First John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. First John 4, 19 tells us that we can love God because he first loved us. So guess what? There's people in our communities that know nothing of God. That means they know nothing of the love of God. All they know is what this world offers, anger and vengeance and violence. God is love. You and I, we know the one true love who gives us peace that passes all understanding, who loves us more than anybody else ever has or anybody else ever could. He loves us with an unconditional agape love. And there are people that we interact with each and every day who know nothing of God, which means they know nothing of his love. You imagine living life without the love of God in your life. I mean, the kind of person you'd be, the kind of thoughts that you would have. 
These are the thoughts that are going through their minds each and every day. Are they bad people? Absolutely not. They need the love of God. They need the love of God. Be praying for the violence to stop in our community. Be praying that people would know the love of God for their own lives. My wife and I, we do foster care. We've had a, a kid that at one point we said we're going to pray to Jesus. And they were like, who's Jesus? Actually, they said this, who's G's? They had no concept of Jesus, had not even heard that word. They were just like, who's G's? Like, what do you mean pray? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, doesn't, that doesn't even make, what? And so process of explaining. And then and now it's like, you know, when it's bedtime or whatever, it's like, hey, will you pray to Jesus? Can we pray to Jesus? And it's like, absolutely, we can pray to Jesus. Lives change when the love of Jesus enters our hearts. Amen? Let's pray for people to come to know who Christ is. Pray that our kids can be an example in their schools. Look at 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Our kids can be an example for others to see. And it starts with them not only coming to church, but how we parent them or grandparent them or watch over them or speak into their lives. It falls back onto the parents to impart word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity into their lives so that they can walk it out in the schools. Amen? Amen. So that they can go and they can be a light in the darkness. Pray that we can be a voice in our community. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That's good news. He's called us out of the darkness and into his wonderful, marvelous light. So you and I, we can show others the goodness of God. Amen? I want to end this morning. Don't worry, it's still going to take a few minutes. But I want to end this morning on a high note. I want to end this morning. I'm going to show you a video in a minute. I want to read a, a scripture as a prayer over us this morning before we leave. But I want us to end on a high note because here's the thing. You and I can show others the goodness of God how we were taken out of darkness and put into his marvelous light. That's what our hometowns need. It needs the light of Jesus Christ to expose the darkness. Show the love of Christ so that lives can be transformed. I've got a video I want to show you of some different teachers that go to this church that work in town and also in Webster City. They're walking into schools filled with hundreds of kids from different backgrounds. They're experiencing these things firsthand. And so this morning, I asked them a few things. I asked them to tell me their name and where they work. Tell me a story of some good thing, some good thing that they have seen in their school. And the last thing I said is, how do you walk into that school, that, that dark place, the place where there's so many people that do not know the love of Jesus Christ? How do you walk in there and share the hope and share the love with the kids and the other teachers around you, and these were their answers.
I'm Crystal Laughlin. I teach fifth grade math and social studies in Webster City. My name is LaShonda Small and I work in the Fort Dodge Middle School in the special education room. Hi, I'm Stephanie Harvey. I'm an instructional coach at Duncombe Elementary School. Some good that I've seen in our school is we do um, activities on leadership and kind of working as a team um, about once a week and so this week we had to move from one line to another line without separating your feet from your partner in your group and there were five people in your group and so of course through trial and error they're trying to figure out what is the best way to move from line to line um, and at the end it was pretty much just the fact that you had to put your arms around your entire team and work together building each other up um, taking baby steps with each other to get from one line to the next. Uh, I have a student in my room who is deaf and he wears um, a, an implant and um, there was another kid who was trying to show him that she also wore one just to kind of make him feel more comfortable and she went up to him and gave him a high five and you know he was laughing and pointing to his and it just kind of I think um, it's nice when the kids try to help each other you know feel loved and accepted and that even if you're different that um, Jesus still loves you and that other people, you know, accept you. And this year I have been so excited to see the kids in the elementary school really reaching out to each other and loving on each other, being accepting of one another, and helping each other just continue to grow academically, emotionally, and socially. Every day when I show up to school, um, I try to make the conscious decision to be the positive that I want to see in the world um, because it's not always positive and it's an effort every single morning um, to make that decision um, but so if coworkers come to me with a frustration of course they'll be a listening ear but it's usually just a polite smile and nod um, and move on from the conversation so we don't dwell on the negative that might be happening um, and then also to believe that every day we start off new um, kids coworkers, myself um, it's always a fresh start um, God gives us that every day, so I try to give that to everybody at school as well. Every day I try to, um, you know, start my day off by, by reading some scriptures so that I'm prepared to go into the school where I know middle school can be kind of a tough area for some kids and I feel like if I'm going in there with a positive attitude, with a smile on my face, trying to let like the light of Jesus like work through me to help others, um, you know, I think attitude and um, being positive has a lot to do with um, how kids can start their day and how their day might, might begin just by simply saying hi to a kid or telling them good morning, just making sure that they know that they matter. As an instructional coach, because I don't have my own classroom, when I go into the classrooms at different parts of the day, then I get to build relationships with them, being able to, without necessarily always speaking Christ's name, just being able to be a person that shows a smile, a hug, um, just being welcoming and accepting of them, building those relationships and letting them know that they are um, special in their own unique way and knowing that they have a purpose for their lives. And also how our schools are reaching out to families and providing resource rooms for those that maybe don't have enough at home and being able to reach out to the schools to make sure that their students and their children and the families all together are able to have um, enough at home, whether it be food or clothing and just being able to meet their needs. We are excited to see so many awesome things happening in our schools and um, just the love that we have for our students. So um, 
We have schools that are full of wonderful teachers who love Jesus, who love the kids. We have schools that are providing resources for our children. Listen, there are a lot of good things happening. Don't let the negative stuff drown out all the good things that God is doing. Don't let the negative stuff drive us into fear and hiding and isolation, but know that there are good things that God is doing right now in the midst of all the tragedy, in the midst of everything else. God is alive. He is powerful. He is working on our behalf. His spirit is in us and his light is in this world as strong as ever. Amen? Amen. So don't let the stuff on Facebook or social media, don't let other people's opinions or negative attitudes, like Crystal said, I want to go in and I want to be the positive that I want to see in the world. I want to be the voice of positivity. Don't buy into the fact that, oh, our teachers are not doing their job and our principals are not doing it. You got to knock it off. You got to knock it off. They love these children. They are doing their level best. It's not their fault. It's not the cop's fault. It's not, it's a humanity issue. It's a sin issue. It is spiritual warfare and we need to pray. We need to pray. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to be encouraged this morning. There are good things happening that are not going to be reported by the news. There are good things happening that people won't just up and praise everybody on social media. They just want to let you know when things didn't go like they wanted them to. So you and I, let's be that voice of positivity. Let's take our bright light and let's shine it in the world. You and I, we are the church, right? We take our bright light and we shine it in the world. We can be a positive voice for the change we want to see in our community. I want to read, and then we're out of here, Psalm 91. If you want to just close your eyes, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to read through it. This can be a prayer for our lives. This can be something you can listen to. You can follow along on the screens, whatever you'd like. But Psalm chapter 91 in its entirety says this, You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right, he rescues you from hidden traps. He shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arm protects you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arm fends off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night and not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness nor disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even grow raise you. You'll stand untouched. You'll watch it all from a distance. You'll watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God. I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. I'll be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life and give you a long drink of salvation. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955 
6222.